Thank you, Stephen Tyler. Episode 106 for July 2010. The Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They have today's comics at yesterday's prices. And like we do every episode, I'm going to spotlight a spider book to show you just how low their prices can go. Now, the first up at the top of the show is Amazing Spider-Man 642. The description reads, quote, When Norman Osborn's baby is born, every villain on the planet wants the first ever strain of pure goblin blood, leaving Spider-Man's friends and family exposed to a sinister plan that threatens to bring down every strand of Peter's life that's been stitched together carefully over the past few years, unquote. The cover price for that book, $2.99. Mail order has it just for $1.49, which is 50% off the cover price. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. Welcome back, webheads, to another summer edition of the Crawl Space Podcast. Let's introduce our spider panel. We have my duet partner in crime, Stella, from the Batgirl to Oracle podcast. Welcome, Dolly. Welcome. <laughs> what do you think of that picture? That, that, uh... um, well, a lot of people were disturbed by it, and frankly, so was I. You know, I just don't think I could handle triple D sides tatas. So. I don't think I could rock the mustache and the beard like that. <laughs> anyway, what you gonna do? Uh, we also have Kevin Cushing from the Spider-Man Crawl Space Web Comic, and you have a little announcement, Kevin. You're gonna do something to tie in to omit. Yeah, uh, this July and August, Omit is going to be shipping two issues per month, so I'm going to match them issue for issue with Crawl Space. I'm going to release one issue of Crawl Space every Wednesday that an issue of Omit comes out. So that'll be four issues in two months. And we're entering the Clone Saga with the, uh, the Crawl Space webcomic, right? Or a Clone Saga... Well, there's, I'll just say this, there's clones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah there's, uh, there's some clone stuff going on in this. Cool. And... Something I've been wanting to announce for a long time, JR from SpideyKicksButt.com. We have an article that's going to be released on a certain date. Tell me more about it, JR. Yes, that's right. Um, I have finally decided to, uh, to uh, you know, to actually start pissing uh, <laughs> instead of, you know, <laughs> a, a, you know, as far as and rather get off the pot. Uh, so um, I've uh, prepped an article. Uh, I plan to release it on July 19th. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, uh, either between my own mediocre computer skills or with Brad's assistance, we will get it posted on the crawl space first. Nice. Um, it will be the. It's kind of funny. It will be actually it'll be the first part of the year in review 2007. Wow. Since I'm so far behind on that, <laughs> I wanted to get caught up. And as I, I was almost thinking, oh God, why start <laughs> with something that old? But now that I, but in retrospect, now that everybody that, that brand new day and one more day and old mid is is heating up the uh, it's heating up the um, you know the internet maybe it maybe you know maybe it actually might be fun to actually go back and write about something else for a while instead now, of that. Oh, 07, was that the uh, the unmasking in the civil yes, war? Yes, yes, yeah. Basically, basically the uh, part one will simply be about um, the um, uh, back in black story in Amazing Spider-Man uh, JMS's last solo story. Uh, part two will actually be a JMS retrospective of oh, JMS's nice. uh, six years on the title. Uh, part three then will be getting to uh, friendly and um, uh, friendly and uh, sensational. Uh, the last stands of both uh, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa <laughs> and uh, Peter David, and then nice. and then we'll just see what happens there, or whether some other personal catastrophe will come up and interrupt <laughs> it again. So well, I'm just happy to have it. it's been 2008 since your last update with the Harry yeah, it has solo been. story. So uh, what's the release date again? 
Uh, July 19th. Nine. That'll be a Monday. Awesome. We're looking forward to that. Also, we have Michael Bailey from the Views from the Long Box podcast, and we have an announcement about your website, FortressofBailey2.com. Yeah, when I when I started the the site back in 2008, it was kind of a Superman daily Superman blog. Yeah. And then I kind of went away from that. Was doing just general comics, and then I really didn't do anything but post uh, episode postings for my the podcast I host with Jeffrey right. Taylor from Crisis to Crisis. But uh, back on July 1st, I decided, look, you know, I've got all this web real estate. I might as well do something for it with it. I've kind of carved out myself a nice little reputation as a Superman fan. So I'm doing a, a daily blog. Um, yeah. Right now it's pretty random uh, because I haven't really got what I want to really do with it together yet. But it's just me talking about Superman, posting, like, things that are in my collection, talking mm-hmm. about comic book covers, stuff like that. It's it's a lot of fun. It's gotten a lot of uh, <clears throat> a lot of attention, which surprises the hell out of me. Because ah. uh, I've, I've gotten a lot of people commenting. I started a Facebook uh, like page, I guess. Are they fan pages? Are they they're, like pages? Cause they're dumb. Like they're, they're, they're likes now. I like fans better, but <laughs> it's Facebook. What you going to do? And I managed to, in about two weeks... Gathered together about 80 people, which uh, for a small little thing like that, I think is a wow. success. I mean, it's so, not like this one that has like what? What do you have now? Like 15,000? <laughs> I crap that, sir. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, I think we're up to about 650 or something like that. It, uh, and that is awesome, by the way. I saw that because I get the little email update. I think everyone else yeah, You're does. an admin on it, yeah. It's like, really? 600? That's great. I, 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 I bribe them all, and they're all family. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You got a big damn family, Brad. Oh, actually, <laughs> only child. Nah, the family routine is great. Uh, <laughs> I'm having one right now. <laughs> anyway, where the hell am I going with this? Anyway, uh, if you want to uh, fan you on Facebook, Fortress of Baileytude, mm-hmm. uh, just type it in and it will be the first thing to come up. Yep. And I am fan, as are many, uh, actually, everybody on the panel, I think, is too. All right, and we also have Zach from SpideyDude.com. Welcome, Zach. Hey, it's great to be here. By the way, did you guys know I have a girlfriend? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, really? You have a girlfriend, huh? Yeah, yeah. We've been spending a lot of time together lately, and I like to bring her on all the chats. But mostly we just like to make out a lot because, (laughs) I mean, uh, I have a girlfriend, really, I swear. I was about to say how much of, how much how, what percentage ever is comprised of vinyl and polyester. Well, I mean, I had to I had to send away and I had to wait for a few weeks. But uh, when I told her about the twelve inch Scarlet Spider, I mean, it was it was cool. <laughs> Blowupdollscomics.com. Sp- no, just kidding. <laughs> like, is, she from, is she from Canada? Yeah, good idea. Uh, no, no, I don't like those Canadians, man. She's she's Texas all the way. For the yeah. one person that can't tell, that is not Zach. <laughs> uh, Zach unfortunately canceled uh, the day before we record this, so I didn't want to reschedule. He uh, he's pulling a uh, shift at work for a buddy, so we commend him for doing that. But it sucks that it's two months without Zach. Or I guess it doesn't suck. I don't know. Anyway, Zach, we hope you come back in August. Wow. By then, I didn't mean to bust his balls that much. I think Kevin had him worse than I did. All right. We love you, buddy. We love you. We love you, Zach. You'll be listening to this and also catch Zach on SpideyDude.com and also Clone Saga Chronicles podcast. All right. Our first topic we're going to hit up. We actually have some Spider-Man movie news. We've got a new Peter Parker and uh, Spider-Man. His name is Andrew Garfield. 
This will make everybody feel old. He was born in 1983. Well, probably not Stella and Kevin, but uh, JR, <laughs> I clearly remember 1983. Ah, yes, I do as well, unfortunately. This uh, kid uh, is, is uh, he's not American. He's a, a British actor living in Los Angeles, California. According to the news reports I, I uh, read, uh, he's getting half a million dollars for this movie, which <laughs> is wild. Still a good good chunk of change for all of us. But uh, that's a lot less than Tobey Maguire made, I imagine. Uh, the kid has been in a couple movies that I recognize. Uh, the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus with Heath Ledger. Uh, he was also in the movie with uh, Robert Redford called Lions for Lambs that had uh, Tom Cruise in it. And he's also in a movie coming out, The Social Network, which is about... Uh, Zach and his girlfriend. Uh, I, don't <laughs> I don't know. Wow. A- anyway, um, what do you think of Andrew Garfield, Jr.? We, we've posted some pictures of him. We've seen some video of him. Uh, well, I've not seen anything he's done, no. um, so I can't intelligently comment on whether he can he can do the role or not. Uh, you know, ultimately, and, and no pun intended, if the script's good and and the actor does well, then uh, all of our nitpicking isn't isn't going to really amount to a hill of beans. But I'm really befuddled by this casting. I really am because uh, it's when you know when they canceled Spider-Man Four and announced this one, they were going to say they were taking him back to high school, back to high school, back to high school. So what do they do? They they cast somebody who was older than Tobey Maguire was when they first cast him. And, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know about a lot of you. I mean, but I've been, you know, I've been both 17 and 27, and there's yeah. a hell of a lot of difference. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was at 17, I was a senior in high school, and I weighed 114 pounds. <laughs> you know, at, tw- at 27, I was employed, I was married, several inches taller and 50 pounds heavier. I mean, there was, there was no difference. And, um, you know, this kid's also six foot tall. He is? You know, I mean, okay. how, how? I think he is. I think so. How does that make him puny, Parker? You know, <laughs> and, and how big is Flash going to have to be to tower over him, six four? Michael you know? Clark Duncan is going to be playing Clive. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, it's, so it's like, uh, it's so so it's like, you know, what what, what are they going to do? Are they going to make him stand in a hole or something when he talks to Mary Jane, so he looks like a squirt? Or well, the thing is, a lot of these uh, teenage high school shows like No No Two One Zero, etc., cast these older people a because they can act, and b I guess they look young. He he looks young. I. I Probably with makeup could pass him as a high school kid. I don't know. But 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 the whole idea they they were going to they're going to don't want to do three movies with this guy, and unless they release him, bam bam bam, one year after the other, he's going to be in his mid thirties before he's out of high school. I mean, you know, I mean the the last time I mean the last time I saw kids in their thirties in high school was in Porky's, and we all know how bad that looked. I mean, <laughs> I just, I just don't understand. I don't understand. I mean, I understand that. With child labor laws, you really can't cast anybody less than 18 because they can't work more than four hours a day. And there's no way you can do a major movie, (laughs) you know, with your star only being able to work four hours a day. But, uh, you know, I I really don't get it. I mean, because everyone around him is going to have to be older. Uh, you know, so it doesn't look like he's, a, you know, like if you cast a 16-year-old Mary Jane, or, you know, I mean, is a kid going to, is he going to be arrested, you know, on the set for, you know, uh, uh, contributing to the delinquency of a minor? 
Um, I, I guess, you know, if, it, if the movie's good, you know, all of this goes by the wayside. But, but right now, I'm, I'm pretty confused. And the rumor is that the lizard is going to be the main antagonist. What do you think about that? Well, monkey brains, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you know, the lizard's... <laughs> <laughs> the, the lizard's never been one of my favorite villains. I mean, I know there's been an outcry for him to be in the movies, but you know, if it's not Dylan Baker, who everyone's been wanting to see, what's the point? Exactly. You know, um, and and the lizard is not the most. I mean, he talks, but he's really not the most articulate and fun Spidey villain anyway. I mean, it's not. You know, he's not the nice <clears throat> megalomaniac that Norman Osborn or Doc Ock is. You know, that it's it's fun to fight against. You mm-hmm. know, so I don't know. Yeah. Um, Mr. Bailey, what do you think of uh, Andrew Garfield? Well, like Jr., I've never really seen anything he's been in, unfortunately. Uh, he's He kind of looks a little goofy in that one picture, so, you know, maybe he can pull off the kind of awkwardness that Peter Parker can, uh, uh, will have to kind of use in, in terms of hiding who he really is, because that was such a a staple of the early Spider-Man stories is that, you know, he wanted to punch Flash Thompson in the face, but he couldn't because, you know, he could kill him. I mean, they never came out and say it, but that's pretty much how it was. But, you know, I'm, uh, but again, I, I'm with J.R., you know, if it's a good script and uh, he's a good actor and they got a good director and everything kind of, um, you know, comes together, it'll be fine. Uh, I'm curious at how the revamp is going to go. Uh, but yeah, if he's 27 years old, I, that seems a little old for what they were going for. Uh, and, 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 you know, by the time we got to Spider-Man 3, even Tobey Maguire was looking a little long in the tooth, uh, to be a college-aged, uh, Peter Parker. So, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm really trying lately not to, form opinions based on pictures and script leaks and all that. I, I'm just yeah. going to wait till the film comes out exactly. and, and, and make my decision then. However, they could have done a lot worse, I think, because they could have gone with the, uh, what's the kid from High School Musical that was all... Zac Efron? They could have gone that way. They could have gone the kid from uh, Twilight, uh, the vampire. Robert Pattinson. There you go. Robert ba- Pattinson. They could have, both of those names were... The future about. Mr. Bowman. <laughs> uh, I think I might take Jacob over uh, Edward, but that's just no. Oh, yeah. Shirtless guy. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kevin, what do you think? I think you actually you commented when I posted the uh, the clip on the front page that you you could see it a little bit. Yeah, I, uh, originally when I heard about it, all I've seen him in is Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus, and when I saw that, the last thing I thought when I saw him was Peter Parker, but uh, yeah, the clip you posted on the front page, it looks like he might be able to do it, and you found the only picture I think I've seen that actually looks like he could be Peter Parker, so you did a yeah. better job than all the major comic news outlets, I think. Yeah, they they just Google image searched, and the first image that popped up, yep, that's him. Yeah, and they were all, like, black hair and scruffy, yeah. and like, dude. I really had to go, like, page six or seven of Google images to find one where he's got dark brown hair. <laughs> That one looked good though. Yeah. But uh but you know, I'll I'll believe it when I see it, I guess. Uh, I'm not at all surprised as some of you guys are that he's twenty seven years old because that's how people have been casting high school characters for, you know, decades now. So I, I was expecting that. I'm not saying it's necessarily the best choice, but um 
But yeah, the fact that he's 27 was really to be expected. Uh, so yeah, I mean, he looks like from that video you posted, he might be able to pull it off. So we'll just have to see. And you're going to be really disappointed if it's Lizard, aren't you? Uh, uh, hurts um, your monkey brain, doesn't it? <laughs> where did you hear Lizard, by the way? Because I've I've heard There's Venom and only... Scorpion, I've heard Venom and Shocker, I've heard Venom and Electro, but I've not heard. I've Lizard heard yet. nothing but Lizard. Hmm. That's oh, well, I've never even heard another villain bandied about, with the exception of Vulture and Spider-Man Four with Tobey Maguire. But that was it. Yeah, but I think the only reason people were clamoring for Lizard in the last. Uh, trilogy was just because Connors had been introduced in the second one, so they're like, come on, let's see some lizard, but I don't, I can't imagine that's carrying over here. Right. And Stella, what do you think? Is he cute? Um, I mean, yeah, he's a, he's a kind of attractive. Um, yeah, he's (laughs) alright. Um, but you know, to address something JR said, you know, about this older guy, and if they get a 16-year-old girl, I mean, and notes on a scandal, Kate Blanchett had a sex scene with like a 16-year-old boy, so. Whoa. You know, I guess they can do it. Um, but, I mean, I like the fact, I guess, that he's kind of a new name. Um, I mean, yeah, he was in this movie with Heath Ledger, but I think for the most part people don't know who he is. I am concerned that he is British only because um, Robert Pattinson in the first Twilight movie, he said that he was he was channeling um, uh, James Dean, but there were so many awkward scenes with, like, you could really tell that he was foreign. And that's, like, I'm just really concerned about this. Like, oh, it's a foreign Spider-Man, you know. Um, but, yeah, I the old thing, if if a movie, I mean, essentially those movies were coming out every three years. I mean, he's 27 now, plus nine if they do, like, a trilogy. Yeah, he'll be uh, 36. So, I mean, we're just encountering the same problem. I, I don't yeah. know what was the problem with some of the younger kids, like, Logan Lemon or whatever his name was. But, <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, yeah. I thought Logan looked the part at least. Yeah. It, it all really depends on how well he can pull off the American accent, though. Because look at the guy that plays House. I mean, he's British, but he, ha- you know, you know, you look at him in House, and then you look at him in the Stuart Little movies, and you can totally buy that that is an American character. So. And, and the thing is, it seems like if you look especially at TV today, about at least 50% of the people playing Americans are either British or Australian. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it can be done, and it is done often. It's just, it, yeah, it's going to be a matter of whether he can pull it off, because I've heard some bad ones, too. And the, well, one of I the mean, best examples is uh, the young Adama in Battlestar Galactica is British. God, is he awful. <laughs> that kid drags down the whole freaking series. I don't like that guy, but his, his Amer- I never suspected he was British until he actually was in a bonus feature or something. I'm like, whoa, you're British. Wait, a- Wait are you talking about Battlestar Galactica, not Caprica? No, yeah, Battlestar Galactica. Okay, you're talking about, uh, yeah, what's his name? Uh, Adama's son. James yeah, I was, think- I was thinking Caprica when they actually have the young version of William Adama. It's oh, a kid. Okay. That kid really sucks. But no, the guy in Battlestar Galactica was fine. <laughs> what were you going to say, JR? No, I was just going to say, I mean, uh, in the, Fant- the Fantastic Four movies, uh, I, if I, I won't pronounce his name right, but Yuan Grafold, who played Mr. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. He's, he's Welch and, uh, Welsh, and he, there, I know a couple of times in the first movie he slipped. I mean, he, 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 he lost the American accent and said something in his, uh, in his native accent. So, I mean, it's you, possible you know this guy. You know Go what ahead. that could have been, though, is uh, I, I saw an interview with him that if somebody um, ad-libs, they can't mm-hmm. recover. 
because they because Ian Griffold and I think the guy who plays House is the same thing. They practice their lines and perfect what, how they want to say it. Oh. And if somebody ad libs and they have to counter or mm. or uh, or counter that, it's harder to keep. Because I, I spoke to a dialect coach once, and she said that. British actors sometimes have a hard time with the American accent because it is the absence of an accent. Hmm. Uh, and th- that's how she described it. So some can do it better than others. But, yeah, I, you know, he, he did – you're right, JR. He, he kind of slipped every once in a while. Not badly, but – What do you guys think of the paycheck? Half a million dollars for this unknown kid. They're saving a bundle. Aren't they, though? <laughs> I, I mean, hope they signed a three-year deal at that for. I think he, I think he gets a raise or something like that. Maybe he'll get seven hundred fifty thousand for a number of two. <laughs> but what Toby Maguire was making several million off of these things. Well, and not only that, he was getting a stake in the profits. Which oh yeah, was huge. that's where the money is. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I well, doubt was, this kid's getting a stake in the profits. Yeah. Now Toby was. I mean, he was going to. They were. There was talk about if they were doing Spider-Man four and five, you know, together, he was going to collect at least like 50 million up front for those. So, I mean, I guess, you know, there's the economic incentive for casting a newer actor, but, uh, you know, I don't know. Can you guys imagine turning down $50 million over two films? Would, who would do that? Well, he, he didn't turn it down. I mean, you know, he would have done it, but they, they pulled the plug on it. So hell I'd do it for half a mil. How about you guys? And gals? (laughs) Sign my ass right now. Get a 2XL Spider-Man suit, and I'm game, baby. (laughs) I'll be your stun double, bro. There you go. All right. Uh, All right. Enough of that about that when we start getting into 2XL Spider costumes. Um, uh, Reviews. Amazing Spider-Man 633. And 634 and 635 we're going to tackle. Starting off with 633. Shed Part 4, written by Chris Wells and Bacello and Rios. Um, Bailey, we haven't heard you le- since in um, last month. What did you, what's your opinion of Shed overall? And let's tackle number four with you. I'm gonna try to be delicate about this. Hey, dude, um, we were not delicate last month. We all pretty much hated it. Okay, it sucks. It's yeah. <laughs> it's it's probably one of the worst Spider-Man stories of the past uh, of Brand New Day. Yeah, and that's saying something. I just I I think it was wrong-headed. I think it was mean-spirited. I think. They are going at it from the perception of what a 15-year-old would think was edgy and mature, you know, in terms of oh he's he, he's the lizard and now he just wants to he just wants to have sex with everything and he has this power where he makes everybody you know just just crazy and animalistic and everyone's going to start having sex. I mean that, that's seriously what a teenage boy would think is cool, and I guess that's their target audience. This last part, I, I, it didn't redeem anything. It, it, in fact, it kind of made it worse. You know, at the beginning of this story, we had Kirk Connors losing control. At the end of this story, he was making a large section of New York City crazy. I mean, why should we make the lizard this powerful when he's not really a decent villain to begin with? Come on, he's he's a Hulk-type character for Spider-Man to punch. And just, <laughs> and just nice. the whole and just the whole thing with, you know, with him killing his son, yeah. and then that, you know, like like the last scene of this issue where that girl, is that the girl, is that the woman from that he worked with in the science lab in the beginning? I couldn't tell. Do you guys think that's the girl that escaped the... It really looked from? like her, but I don't think it was. I mean, Bachalo sucks as an artist anyway, so, you know, all of his women pretty much looked alike. 
So it was hard to tell, but it's just like, okay, so we're ending this by having the lizard, you know, he, he's gone to underground and he's got a woman that's going to come have sex with him because she's attracted to him because her lizard brain is activated. And what bullshit was that? <laughs> the whole thing of this is like, your lizard brain is activated. Everyone act crazy. I, you yeah. know what? We usually we have a positive, negative, and a grade. I've got a negative, a worse negative, and an F. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there there was nothing about that story I liked. And you, you and you guys, I I think I've carved a, a reputation of at least I can find something to like yeah. about an issue or about a storyline where it's just like, God, this sucked. But you know, this was kind of cool. There was nothing good about this. <laughs> nothing. Do you? Uh, we again, we didn't talk to you last month, but do you? The whole debate is, did the lab assistant get raped or not raped? What is your opinion? You know, they, they were so, – I, I read about that online. It's just like the rape, the rape, the rape. They were – I was actually kind of shocked because if this was D.C., they would have shown it in great detail and had Dr. Light perpetrate it. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> but, but um, I don't know what that means, but it sounds funny. <laughs> 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 the DC people in the room get the joke. So it's um, like Doctor Strange raped somebody and made him better, or what? No, not oh, even no, close. Never mind. Never mind. Yeah, it, it would take too long. It would basically like bringing back Batrock the Leaper and turning him into a rapist is what they did to uh, Doctor. <laughs> so, um, but no, it's just you know, you think it happened or didn't? I think it happened basically because yeah. of the way Carly acted. Her yep. body language and the way she said it is, you know, she was basically like, you know, you just, it's not good. It's just you, usually in TV that, that is the indication that she was sexually assaulted. And considering he was all horned up for her in the beginning anyways, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me. But again, what lazy storytelling is that? You know, just, just kill her. And killing the kid? Yeah. God, that pissed me off. Are we really getting to the point where to to shock the audience, we have to kill a kid that has been? I mean, he's been there since Amazing Six. Yeah, pretty much. And yeah. and, and really, what was the point of that? What was? Oh, we're going to show shock. how the lizard really is evil. Yeah, bite me. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I just I just hate lazy storytelling. The writing in this was crap. Yeah. It was complete and utter crap. And you know, I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't like the first arc this guy wrote, and I sure as hell didn't like this one. Yeah. So I'm giving it a firm F. Stella, do we come up and grade with you? What do you think? Um, maybe a little bit. I always try to, you know, look at the the bright side of life. Um, you know, I have Mr. Rogers in my closet and such things like that. Well, you know, first <laughs> first of all, I I would like to know when Lobo showed up in my uh in my comic. Did you notice him in the beginning, the emo looking guy that tried to get on that? <laughs> Wow. <laughs> well, at least Michael Bailey understands. Um, yes. But, you, you know, my greatest con, I would say, uh, would be the first scene. It was just yeah. so distressing to me. You know, all of a sudden, they're all on top of each other. A bra is flying out of the scene. I had my 3D glasses on, so it sort of hit me in my face. Um, <laughs> and, you know, the artwork is, once again, scattered and disorienting. But I did come up with two pros. Oh. Number one. Yes, I know. Number one, Shed is over. Yeah. And number two, Aunt May is back to an extent. That's that's yeah, you know the best that I could come up with that. Where did um, that, that storyline go? I mean, come on. That, yeah. That. Um, I'd probably give it a, a D minus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Jr., what do you think, sir? 
Well, first of all, before uh, before I talk about it, I want Stella to uh, do a, a a little line reading for me. Um, <laughs> Just, do you have the book? Want, in, you have the book in front of you? Well, well, it, it, this is pretty simple. I mean, okay. it's like third page, but I just wanted to say, you are stronger. I am yours. <laughs> oh, uh, wow, I did not prepare for this, my method acting. You are stronger. I am yours. Take me! Oh. Who, who says that in real life? I mean, did oh. these writers get... Well, you know where it's coming from, right? I mean, it's page three right there. Yeah, I, I mean, see it. Yeah. The, the reporter's <laughs> talking to the cameraman, yeah. Exactly, and it's like, why that really set the cause of women's liberation back about a century or so. You and then know two I mean? panels later, a bra flies. Exactly. That, ha- that happens all the damn time out on the street. Yeah, not only yeah. did she lose the bra, she lost the right to vote. What the hell? <laughs> wow. Oh, Her my own, Lord. own property and everything else, too. You know? <laughs> that that uh, set back women back many a year. I mean that was that, that was that was stupid, but actually that was my my only plus of the story because it was so unintentionally hilarious. I mean, it, it really does kind of take you out of the story because it's so stupid. Uh, they're real, but the thing is, I mean, I would just be belaboring, you know, or beating a dead horse to use another cliche. Uh, there's nothing new to add to this story, really, that we haven't said. The art is awful. Um, there, you know, again, like the, with the flying bra, there's this emphasis on sex, which I, I, you know, where is that coming from? Um, the city breaking out in a, a panic of madness is an overused plot line, and the ending was just totally limp. I mean, you, you bait, what you've done, you know, it's kind of like I was saying the last time. This has to be the end of Kurt Connors, you know, that he's killed his son. He's, you know, in fact, the lizard actually says, "I ate this child." This, the spawn of a male rival or whatever. I mean, that's gross. That's absolutely gruesome and grotesque. You know, so to me, Connors ha- and the lizard have to die. They have to meet an end. But what does he do? He just crawls off in the sewer and starts collecting pets or whatever. I and mean, that's, that's not the end. That's not an end of a story. That's like, no. oh my God, I don't know where to take this story. So let's just kind of like, you know, have the lizard go away and we'll think of something to do with him later. Um, what's the difference between letting the burglar run away and the lizard run away? He's a child killer. Well, you know, in, in Peter's idea that he can't hurt anybody, so he's going to let a hundred people beat him up and crush him to death and, this story was just wrong on so many accounts. And then at the very end, you know, I, I really try not to bash Steve Wacker, to be honest, because I wouldn't want his job. You know, who would want to be editor and deal with writers and artists who are notoriously finicky, ficky, and narcissistic people? You know, that's got to be, you know, he's got to be taking all kinds of drugs to stay sane in, in doing his job. <laughs> You know, but for him to come out on the letters page and state that he's basically more proud of this than any story that he's ever done, you know, that's been done under his watch, and how he emphasizes the whole, how great the whole team did, which is a backhanded way of saying, for those of you who don't like Chris Bachelot's art, I don't give a flying, you know, frack. Um, I, I just found that just, you know, damage control and backpedaling in the worst sort of way. Shed is, is definitely a low point. It may not be the lowest point, but it is a low point for brand new days. So I, I would give it a D minus. Wow. Kevin. What the fuck? <laughs> My God almighty. I looked for pros. I yeah. really did. Then I sat here. And I tried to think of something more stupid than this issue. I sat here and I channeled Paris Hilton 
Lindsay Lohan, Kim Kardashian, all the stupid bitches I could think of. <laughs> Where are you trying going with That's in their minds to think of something stupider than this issue, and not even those great stupid minds of our time could think of something stupider than this fucking issue of Amazing Spider-Man. I know, go for LeBron James, that might work. But anyway. <laughs> Point is, there are no pros. I could go on with cons all day. I'm not going to. I'm just going to pick out the worst con this month, because damn. This arc, at the very beginning, called out the tired formula of the lizard being subdued by Spider-Man shoving Billy in his face. Now we're at the end, and what do they do? Spider-Man shoves Billy in the lizard's face... And that's how he's subdued. They called out the tired formula, then they used it. And next they used it for Aunt May. Dark Aunt May was subdued in the same way, just swap out Billy for crying Peter Parker. This was the stupidest piece of trash I have maybe ever read. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I can hardly even talk about this shit. Wow. Uh, grade? You ready for this? I'm ready. It's a G. <laughs> After oh, the wow. large upswing that Amazing Spider-Man had, we are finally back down to the level of a G grade. A second G. ever given. Wow. Only the second. This was worse than anything else I've graded as an F, yeah. so it has to be a G. Wow. Uh, I'm giving it an F also. Uh, first of all, I, the, the opening scene with the cameraman and the reporter and the bra. <laughs> <laughs> Which again, Jr. I, I like you found it hilarious because a the uh, the female because as we had Stella read the line, there's no woman that would ever say that, and also after the bra flew, I thought it hilarious because uh, a photographer, the very last thing that they will ever do is use their camera as a weapon. A, a photographer will take a bullet for their camera. They do not lift it over their head and smash a dude's head in with their camera because they are now out of a job <laughs> even if they're mind controlled by a lizard which but that was his lizard brain not his monkey brain oh. thinking you weren't you know yeah I, I i just was taken back by that if i had to do a pro i know nobody had really any pro but i i like the scene with spider-man not hurting new york uh the new york people i mean i could see him doing that i mean They've got his back, and he's got theirs, as, as but, witnessed in Spider-Man 1. But really, he didn't think this through. I mean, I get that he doesn't want to hurt any New Yorkers, but just think about it for a second. He could either give a couple of New Yorkers bloody noses and then go save their lives, yeah. or he could let them kill him and then kill each other, and they're all dead anyway. I think I, I just envision him like trying to warm out of it, like squeeze out, jump out of the way of all the New Yorkers attacking him. But uh, yeah, I, I just work. thought that was heroic of him. That was the only really pro. I can't stand lizard talk. It's like Hulk talk, just not as smart. <laughs> Bailey, I mean, you can understand Hulk talk, can't you, Bailey? Well, yeah. I mean, he but, just has he he just lost the ability to use personal pronouns. Exactly. So. And throughout the, every time the lizard said, "I have pictures in my head," get the pictures out. It's exactly what I was thinking as I was reading this. Get these pictures out of my head. I can't. Uh, Envision uh, a kid getting eaten, a woman allegedly raped, and etc. Et uh, just an F. By f I think this is worse than the Zeb Wells Bacello Snow Arc, which I loathed. I think I gave that one a D. I think, but uh, I just 
I really found absolutely nothing redeeming about this arc. And, you know, we, we, um, often get criticized in the uh, Internet community or the Spider-Man community about being negative. But I think generally every month we try to do a pro and a con, and generally the, the panel is pretty much divided. This is the first time I can recall that everyone down the line disliked this book. I mean, do you guys agree? Yeah, actually, this would be, I mean, you know, Stella tried to find the warm and fuzzy in the issue. Uh <laughs> You know, which which we you know as reviewers should try to do. You know, yes. you don't go you don't go into something looking for negative. You you go into it hopefully reacting, uh, hopefully just reacting to the piece as it is presented. But there, it's very rare that we all hate something. Exactly. I mean, just trying to line you guys up for one day at one time is hard enough. Making <laughs> us all agree on something is even harder, in my opinion. All right, we're moving on. Spider-Man, uh, Amazing Spider-Man 634. It's uh, Grim Hunt Part 1. It's written by uh, Joe Kelly, uh, Lark, and also we have a Kane backup by DiMatteis, and Spidey Sundays by Stanley and Marcos Martin. Uh, we'll start with Kevin. I think we had you last. We'll go first, Kevin. What do you think of this arc, or this first issue? So much better than Shed. Yeah. So much better than Shed. This was a great palate cleanser to read right after the last issue of Shed. Um, yeah, plenty of pros on this. I mean, Lark's art is gorgeous. Uh, having all these Cravens and Spider characters on the panel is, is really nice to see. Um, there's a great atmosphere to the whole thing and it packed plenty of punch as a story. It was a, it was a great story. Um, my only two dislikes, I would say, one, the swine flu kind of bugged me. It was like, really? The Parker luck is so bad that, like, months after the swine flu scare, he has swine flu. Okay. Um, and also, I, it, I guess uh, what was happening with Maddie, you know, just seeing Maddie Franklin there all beat up and getting killed and whatnot just kind of bugged me a bit because the last time I saw Maddie Franklin was an alias when she was just getting abused all over the place. And I'm, I'm a little sick of seeing this little girl being abused so much, but you know, that's, those are both kind of minor because, uh, well, Joe Kelly had nothing to do with alias, but anyway, uh, this one would get a B plus out of me. This was very good. Nice. Stella, what do you think of this one? Um, I, yeah, I think, um, you know, whereas Kevin used this as a palate cleanser, I used reading some sense and sensibility and going to the gym as a palate cleanser and some <laughs> sleep. And, you know, then I came back and I was, I was presently surprised at this. Um, finally we're getting to, I think the build up over a year at least. Uh, number one, I, I definitely liked the art redesign on Anya. Um, I, I think that she's really come a long way from Skittles the Pimp. Um, <laughs> And, and, uh, you know, just this idea of tying several characters together, um, to, to make it seem like an overall greater threat, I thought was really smartly done. Uh, as the con, I think just some of the whiny dialogue, um, I thought Spider-Man was just especially whiny this issue, um, and I thought that we had sort of gotten past this. But I definitely give this an A minus, um, yeah, I, th I think they actually came through for once, so I was I was happy. <clears throat> Chair, we got a high grade out of you. What do you think? Uh, well, you know, um, I guess first of all, I'm going to say finally, because yeah. you know the the build up to the to the Grim Hunt was just getting very annoying. It was it was going on too long. It was too repetitive, and really, it wasn't building any momentum. Um, 
But uh, now that we've got there, I, I've actually, and I don't have too much unique to say about each individual issue, so I'll keep it short, but I've been liking it so far. I really like the moody art because I think it fits the story perfectly. I've been buying the variant covers that are kind of the more photo-painted type covers. I've really kind of liked those. Um, you know, I really kind of like the way it's building to something that's really at stake, you know, and that there's really a, and that as far as the ultimate conclusion, you know, there's a cost to be paid. And, you know, and so far as like, obviously we found in the first issue, there is a cost to be paid. Um, I like Sasha Kravenov as a villain. I can't stand the little girl. I want the little mm-hmm. girl to get her head cut off, you know, because. <laughs> Because, you know, she just comes in and says these really dumb things, you know, and it's like, but but I do like Sasha. I, I, I like villainous women, you know. I mean, I married one, so, you know, I'm kind of used <laughs> to the type. Uh, but, um, no, I, you know, it is funny, too, how how uh, the original Aloysia Craven has come back, the one that J.M. DeMatteis created and not the one that uh, Ron Zimmerman made into Al Craven. Um, and I guess that's a positive uh, the only thing negative, really, is there's a certain amount of predictability. You know when Kane is looking at the razor on the bathroom floor, you know what's going to happen. Yeah. You just see it coming a mile away. Um, but, you know, to, but to, to be honest, uh, I've been pleased with this story so far. Yeah. Great. Uh, B. I'll give it a B. Okay. Uh, Mr. Bailey. Despite myself, I liked this story because I didn't think I was going to. Yeah. Mainly because, like JR said, it's been such a slow, long buildup that really didn't have much to do with this story at all. You know, they were just separate stories with a tenuous connection between all of them. Having said that, there was a definite epic feel to this issue, and I liked that. I liked that we're, we're, we're getting to the meat of it. This is, this is what we should have done from the beginning. Just, you know, the, the, the wearing him down really didn't wear him down because at the end of all those adventures, he was just like, okay, everything's back to normal. Oh, here, fight Mysterio. Oh, everything's back to normal. Okay, let's go fight the Sandman. But, uh, you know, I, I like, I just liked this issue. I, I liked the feeling of it. I, you know, the, the artwork wasn't really to my liking. Uh, but, but, uh, you know, I, I would have preferred someone a little sleeker, I guess is the way to describe it. Uh, but yeah, dug it. I, I'd give it a B. I'd give the backup feature a C minus, unfortunately, because I, I just, I don't care. What about the DiMatteis one? Yeah, I, I really don't. I mean, the, the whole, um, the whole thing with, uh, you know, with Craven and Kane and all that, it was just like, I don't really need to see these two together. Yeah, exactly. Um, Great. What do you give this one? Uh, I'll give it an overall B minus. Okay. And when you say sleeker, I, I, I think you're talking about Mike Zek. And it wouldn't have been yeah. nice if he came back and penciled this. Yeah, like Mike Zek or even yeah. like Mike Diodato would have been a good choice mm-hmm. for this. That's true. That's true. Uh, my grade, I'll give it an A minus. I really, really liked it. Um, I, I like that uh, they're actually doing something with Craven. I, I, I was worried that bringing him back would just tick me off. But I think they're actually trying to honor the first story and not trying to just retcon it out, etc., like normal stories do. But you've given a, uh, an agenda with a family, and I, I just really, really enjoyed this one. It, it, as everybody else said, palate cleanser from the awful shed. Uh, JR, I'm going to have to ask you a question about the Craven's history, though. 
the 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 beast that came out of the ground is that the one circa Spider-Man fifty one in the Clone Saga ish? Yes, Vladimir. Yes, that's the one that Kane he, killed. Yeah, he he died really quick, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, that was just uh, one where they wanted to show how badass Kane was, so they're going to have him go around killing a bunch of villains. And they, I think he, I forget, I haven't read that story in a long time, but I think he just broke his neck or something. It was, yeah, exactly. you know. Something fairly easy, so. We didn't touch on the Kane backup story or the Stan Lee coming to Spidey Sundays. I am shocked, but I didn't really understand the Spidey Sunday. I, I, I think it's... in the brain. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, it's pretty to look at, but is it basically two guys going into comic books? Is that what it is? The world of comic books? Yeah, it was bad is what it was, sadly. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was, it was I don't a, get it. a I human really don't. pinky in the brain going into the comic book world. That's exactly what it was, and so far yeah. I don't see why. I don't get it either. Did you guys like the Kane story? I will take it any time you give me J.M. DeMathis writing Craven and or Kane. Uh, I was very disappointed by the art. I thought Max Fumara yeah. did a good job with the Rhino arcs, but this is not good art. But J.M. DeMathis... Uh, I gotta read it. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm digging it. I, I liked it also. It, it, it was very much a Web of Spider-Man story tacked on for an extra buck, in my opinion. But Stella, did you like the Spidey Sundays and Kane? Uh, Spidey Sundays. I was wondering what was going on, frankly. Me too. Um, I didn't get it. Yeah. Well, you know the the other one though. Yikes! I, I didn't know Craven was such a lover. My word. Has uh. two women in there and they're ready for another go around. I was wow. <laughs> Um, but you know, it was intriguing to sort of get a different side of Craven. I think one that was not really related to Spider-Man at all. So yeah, I liked it. JR, did you like the Spidey Sunday? No, I thought it was stupid. <laughs> Infantile. Yeah. I mean, Stan, if Stan is really involved with this, I mean, why doesn't he take his millions and go retire or something? I mean, come on. The guy's almost 90 years old. Just stop. Stop. <laughs> Michael, did you like it? No. No. I wanted to. I, I did, really too. did. It's pretty to look at, isn't it? Yeah, but it's just like, I was like you. What the hell is going on here? Yeah. I, I, I had, I actually read, reread those two pages two or three times just to try to figure it out. Made as about Which as much true. sense as that Spider-Man strip from the uh, Sunday or the Wednesday comics, which made no sense whatsoever. From this past Wednesday? No, there there was a series called Wednesday Comics where they had Sunday comic style strips of all the DC characters, and the Superman story was awful. Ah. Okay, um, Grim Hunt Part Two, Amazing Six Thirty Five, again written by Joe Kelly, Michael Lark, and Stefano Gardina. Uh, this one is continuing that storyline pretty much. Uh, Stella, we haven't started with you yet. What do you think? Okay. Uh, well, I think off the top, uh, Chameleon was well played, um, and I was frankly very surprised. Uh, I thought at first that, uh, this was going to be a return to the spider token art, and I was not, um, enthused about that, but then when it came out and it was actually... A chameleon playing him, I was just kind of flabbergasted. Um, the interaction between Kane and Peter, I think, just sort of the, I guess, going over the ethical lines, you know, what to do, what not to do, I thought that was also pretty strong. Uh, for the con, um, I think they went a little overboard with the killing, and it seemed, oh, 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 okay, I'm sorry, I didn't understand what I was, um, with the stabbing, like, he got stabbed so many times that I don't think it's even realistic that he would come back from all those injuries. 
Yeah. But that's just me. I guess this is a comic book world. I have to open up my imagination. Imagination. <laughs> uh, I'd give it a B plus. What'd you think of Aranya being called Spider Girl? Um, I guess <laughs> the I probably Spider Girl fans be... are ticked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I probably wouldn't be as incensed as um as like Zach or you know the Spider Girl fans would be. Of I've been unfortunately um getting used to that character through the backups of the Nomad and uh in uh, Captain America, so I've been getting used to that character, but it, it did sort of not sit right with me that she was called Spider-Girl, since that's obviously not her name. Yeah. Uh, grade, what's your grade again? B+. Plus. B+. Plus. Okay, Kev? Uh, this was another great issue. Um, pretty much everything was my likes, honestly. <laughs> that is exactly what I wrote down. Uh, <laughs> my likes is pretty much everything. I loved, uh, again, the feel, Michael Lark's art, uh, they used Ezekiel uh, really well, and when it turned out to be the chameleon, I was shocked. I didn't expect that. Um, Kane was used well. Uh, everything was just, this was a great issue. Um, the only con I could find was kind of an art thing, um, and it's something I've said pretty much every time Kane has appeared in Brand New Day. Where the hell are his scars? Yeah. And he should, uh, there was one panel I found where when he was talking to Peter with his shaved face, it looked like I could see some red stuff on the sides of his face, maybe. But, I mean, this guy was really scarred on his face before, especially if you look at, like, uh, Lost Years and Spider-Man Redemption. And it's a clone degeneration, so he should still be degenerating. So he should look even worse now, not like he can actually pass for Peter Parker. Um but that's that's a minor quibble in what is actually a great issue, very entertaining. Uh, this is absolutely a work all the way. This is, gets an A. And I, I know you're, I know, I know Zach is the biggest fan, but you're also a big Clone Saga fan. What do you think of Killing Kane? Um, I don't know yet. I'm gonna have to, I guess, see where this is, where this is going. Um, I, mean, I guess they haven't actually said they killed Kane yet in the that's issues, true. but we all know it. Yeah. Because, um, you know, that Spider-Man got killed and it couldn't have been Peter Parker. Exactly. So, although I looked back through the issue, and I, they've probably explained all this by the time this podcast comes out. There's probably issues explaining all this stuff. But I looked back through the issue, and I cannot figure out where exactly Kane and Peter would have switched. Mm. I, th- there doesn't seem to be a plausible time for that. So I'm going to be interested to see what the explanation is. Um, and since we have, you know, we assume, but we haven't gotten confirmation Kane's dead, I don't want to make any ruling on it, um, but my feeling is if it's for a good enough purpose, then I'm okay with it. And he hasn't been used for years anyway, so it's not like we're losing an integral part of the universe right now. Yeah, and I guess I, I cheated. I read the preview images at CBR <laughs> or whatever I did because yeah, we don't really know it's Kane that's dead. But anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, spoiler. Um... <laughs> oh, should I mention the backups or? Yeah, if you want to. What was your you gave the the work an A. What about your backups? What do you grade those? I didn't write down any grades for those. Um the the Jam Mathis backup again, it's it's pretty much the same thing here. The art is terrible, but the uh story was good. The funny thing though with the backup story is if anybody else had written this uh about Kane, I would have said it seemed kind of out of character, but I guess I just feel like JM Dimateus, sorry, I've been pronouncing it wrong. JM Dimateus uh, 100% unequivocally knows Kane better than I do, so <laughs> so I'll accept it. But if any other writer had written this, I probably would have cried foul. But it was it was entertaining. So between the bad artwork and the good story, I'd probably give it a C. Uh, and the Spidey Sunday still just sucked out loud. 
JR, what do you think, man? Um, you know, again, to continue what I said, you know, a lot of my stuff, what I said about 634 carries over to 635. Uh, so far, I've liked the story. I've liked the art. Um, again, back to the uh, predictability. Uh, when you see, uh, like particularly in the backup story, some of the dialogue in the backup story gives away what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, do you have to telegraph it this bad? Um the uh, I, and also when you know I don't want to I don't want to you know necessarily give out any spoilers or whatever but when Madame Web is confronting quote unquote Spider Man at the end how she can't figure something how she it doesn't appear to her that there's a there's something different that I don't know because apparently she's been giving I mean the reason they all know about Ezekiel and they all know about Cain being a clone is because it's all in Madame Web's head and they're torturing her and they're getting this information but. By her dialogue, she can't tell the difference between Peter Parker and Kane. I have a little bit of difficulty with that. Um, the um, you know you know that's just kind of one thing. Uh, and like I said, the backup story is the, the art is just awful. Uh, and uh, it's it's basically although I do like you know I never liked Craven as a villain. It's just amazing that after they killed the guy off. Mm-hmm. That he's being written much better. I mean, basically all he was being written at formerly was like a you know like a, a refugee from the most dangerous game that's all he was you know or tarzan wannabe it's just amazing now you know with the passage of time they've actually been able to get a handle on this character and give him a personality <laughs> so i mean they've been you know, trying to resurrect this character ever since he died well I mean, uh, yeah, they, yeah. by giving him sons yeah it just doesn't yeah. work i well i know i mean it's like you know if you're going to if you're going to do that you might as well you know again it's like with the goblins if you're going to keep bringing goblins back you might as well go back to the original because the original is usually always the best well, uh, i thought it was good character development though because they turned him into the most virile russian ever yeah well that's what i'm saying they <laughs> yeah that's true but they have i mean but it, even though that's kind of said with a certain amount of uh, humor and sarcasm but that is true they've really done something with him since they killed him off <laughs> so, yeah. so if he so if he does come, which the thing is the nature of the sacrifice though indicates this isn't going to go quite well or quite the way sasha thinks it's going to go but if craven does come back and he is written like he's been written lately i'm not going to object too much no. so what's your grade anyway I, I give it a b overall Okay. Mr. Bailey? I really liked this issue, too. I I thought it was a good continuation of the story. I loved the twist. I was actually surprised by the twist. Mm -hmm. And I thought, finally, they are using what they have been building with all along to a good effect. You know, it's just, you know, with the chameleon being involved and (laughs) Mysterio and all that, I was just like, okay, okay, that makes sense. This is how we're going to tie everything together. Uh, I really felt bad for Peter. Yeah. <laughs> they they did some horrible things to him in this issue. I'm like, why isn't he dead? Seriously, why is he just not, like, seriously dead? But, uh, yeah, I, I really I really enjoyed the heck out of it. And I, I'll give the main story a B plus. I'll give the backup. I'll give the backup a B as well. It's not to my liking, but the writing is strong. And the Stanley strip still doesn't make a lick of sense. No, it doesn't. But, man, the artwork. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty I, to look at. I but love I, but the, I, the way he draws the Fantastic Four. I think that's so cool. But I agree. Yeah, I just want more. I really do. I was yeah. expecting more. So um, I, I have a question for the panel before I start. You know, this one... What I think we all enjoy, because I think we're all dedicated 
Spider-Man fans, and, and we wouldn't be here if we weren't. This one grabs a lot of different history. It grabs the Clone Saga. It grabs uh, Kevin's favorite JMS era. It plays off of Craven. There is a lot. You have to know your Spider-Man to get this story, I think. And do you think that's why we're all really enjoying it? Because it, it, it draws on the history. Like, the average Joe probably doesn't like this book as much as we all do. No, I wouldn't say that. I think they really? do a pretty good job of uh, of explaining what you need to know. I mean, when Kane comes on the scene, you know, Peter says, basically, my my renegade clone and later my evil clone. And it's like, well, I mean, you could know the entire convoluted history of the clone saga, or you could just know that at some point Peter had a renegade evil clone, and there he is. Um, and with Ezekiel, you know, he comes in and he tells all this spider totem stuff and, uh, Spider-Man kind of explains it a little bit to Arachne and, um, with Craven's sons, again, you could know all the convoluted history of Kane snapping the one's neck and the other one turned into, uh, Al Craven and whatnot, or you could not care. All you need to know is that Craven had two sons. Here they are. I think they do a good enough job catching you up on what you need to know. And there's just a lot you really don't need to know to get this. Right. I just think I I just think it's a well written issue. Go ahead, Jerry. Yep. No, I was about to say the only thing I think they could have maybe illustrated said a little bit better. I think I think Kevin's right that there's enough hints there. You get the gist of the story. The fact that the chameleon is Craven's half brother, you know, that probably needs to be brought out a little bit more. Exactly why the chameleon is there. Uh, um, why you know, and or, or maybe that doesn't really figure it until part three though. So maybe I'm getting a little ahead of myself there. Maybe they could explain that a little better. But I I think this just is a well done issue. I mean, yeah. Joe Kelly's thrown us some stinkers here, you know, lately. But this, I mean, but he he can be a good writer. I mean, I've liked some of his old stuff. This is a good story. And and one thing that that hasn't happened too often in Brand New Day is you have a story married with the right kind of art. Yes. You know, because we've either had dreadful art or we've had, you're getting used to a certain artistic style. Okay, ooh, page 17, page 18, and then page 19 is a different artist. You know, <laughs> and, you're, and you're going like, what? You know, but no, this this is where the the art matches the the, the overall darkness and moodiness of the story. It's, it's, you know, again, it's got flaws and weaknesses, but so far it's been a well crafted story so i think that i think yes we as you know the anal anal retentive continuity fanboy whores yeah i think we <laughs> i think we enjoy it more yeah. maybe than the than the, the the non you know continuity obsessed fan but it's still a good story regardless right. uh there's not much more i can add to it i, I agree the artwork is amazing uh, there's a real threat to Spider-Man's uh, being in this. There's, uh, it's been going on for a few issues. I enjoyed it. Uh, a minus out of me. The only con that I have, and I, I, I have to have you for help explain this. Why is Kane running around looking like Peter Parker, and Spider-Man is there? Do they can the Cravens not piece together that they're one and the same? I don't understand why they even hunt Kane. Is it because he's a spider and they can tell he's a spider? Help me with that one, guys. Well, there's there's something what I really didn't understand in the second backup actually that I think probably relates to this mm-hmm. uh, was when Kane was talking to Craven and then all of a sudden it was like and then Craven saw something in me I don't know what it was and then there was the art with the spider behind Kane like somehow Craven sensed that Kane was a spider and. I didn't understand that, but I figure it's got to be the same thing that happened in the main story, that they mm-hmm. know he's a spider. Yeah. I don't know, but 
Yeah, I don't really have any idea how they're doing that. I, I guess I, it's their hunter sense. They know spiders when they see them. Yeah, and I, I guess the the other kind of similar to what Kevin said about how, you know, he, I can understand why they're doing it, uh, but Kane has a lot more scars than that. I mean, he couldn't really, I mean, anyway, that's just a con. But I understand why they do it. And it's kind of sad to see Kane go. But, again, we haven't seen him for, what, a decade plus. So what else? Yeah, the only time we've really seen him was in the, frankly, crappy Who Was Ben Riley story. So. Yeah. A- out of me, pretty much similar grades with the backup. I give it the, uh, the backup with uh, Demetrius a B. And I guess, uh, uh, God, I don't want to give a Stan Lee story a D, but I got to. Even though that artwork is beautiful. Cause I really, I still don't get it. I don't understand what the story's about. Alright, that's wrapping up the reviews. The next topic we're gonna hit up is, uh, kinda similar. We're gonna talk about the main books. Uh, the rumor on bleedingcool.com is, uh, that, uh, at the San Diego Comic Con, uh, the Spider-Man titles, which are put out three times a month by a whole bunch of people, is going to be cut down to possibly twice a month with Dan Slott writing the solo book and an unknown artist or a rotating artist. We don't know what who's going to be on artwork, but uh, they're scaling it back and putting one guy in charge of writing the main books. JR, I know you're a fan of the three times a month. Are you sad to go down to just two and Dan Slott driving the, driving the car? Uh, yeah, I am actually kind of sad that they, that they're considering going down to two because I, I always liked the three a month format, even though, even though it has created problems. The stories have had, uh, apparently a great deal problems syncing up. Yeah. Uh, certain things like busted web shooters and things become repetitive because, you know, everybody comes up with the idea, they think they're the first one to come up with it and they all come up with it at the same time. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, there have been some problems, yes, but you know that I, I, you expect some glitches. Um, but I, I really like I like that there was one main title. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I don't I really don't like the idea that there's all these offshoots, spectacular, web friendly, adjectiveless. Um, you know, I and, and it looks like they're actually going to start going back to that again because now web, for example, which is just kind of almost like a tangled web type book, now they're starting to have stories that tie into the main continuity. You know, I, I, I that, don't like that, that one's been canceled. Web's canceled. Oh, it has been canceled. Yeah, okay. with twelve. Well, good. Yeah. Well, good. Uh, but no, <laughs> I liked I liked everything happening in the main in the main title. I liked the the you know I liked going to the comic shop every week and getting an amazing Spider Man. I mean, I really did. I enjoyed it. Uh, plus, I I was going to see issue number one thousand well before my eightieth birthday. You know, <laughs> which I was kind of looking forward to. Yeah. Um, as far as Dan Slott being the only one writing it that bothers me a little bit not because i don't think dan's a good writer because i think he can be i've enjoyed some of the stories he's done in the past he he did one of the best spider-man minis ever um you know uh, the only problem is it's like the howard mackey thing back in the reboot when you give mm. the title to one person uh besides the fact that howard was howard was spent already he should never have taken that assignment but, you know, if, if one guy is in a rut, a creative rut or a slump or has personal issues or anything, I mean, that's all you got. You know, it's not like, well, you know, he struggled in this story, but next month is another guy. Um, yeah. That's that's kind of flirting with danger and putting it in the hands of, of one person, uh, no, no, no matter, you know, who it is. Um, so, but no, I, you know, I know I, uh, I, I like the current format. It They definitely, they needed better writers. They needed... 
you know, the stories needed to improve, but I don't think that the three times a month format is the problem. If there's, there, there are problems with Spider-Man and his sales, but the three times a month format ain't it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, uh, I agree with JR partially, just that this isn't a good idea, uh, but I think it's not a good idea for very different reasons. Um, cutting it down from three times a month to two is trying to treat a symptom rather than actually fix the problem. Um, the problems are far deeper than just three times a month, and taking it to two times a month is still not a good idea. What they need to do is get it back to one time a month and bring us some satellite titles. Uh, because when you have, what they've been doing with three times a month is basically having the exact same thing as when they have three titles a month, only putting it in one title, so it becomes jarring. When, for some reason, when you have three titles and all the stories are running kind of at the same time in different titles, it's not jarring. So going back to that would be a lot better. You could have multiple creative teams on it. Yeah, um, but, but friendly and sensational are, are nothing's ever going to happen really impactful. Well, you know, that's just because they decided that. I mean, if you look back in history, Thing, important things have happened in other titles before. It's, it's just that they've decided that, well, nobody pays attention. We will if you put good stuff in there. Yeah. Um, if you put important stuff in there, they can put important stuff in the other titles, and it's up to us to buy it. Yeah. Um, like the Gene, also, the, the Gene DeWolf story happened in uh, spec, but nothing exactly. – I can't name Peter one Davis thing. Peter David's run, uh, J.M. DeMathis' run, you know, those were other titles, and those were the better runs going on at the time. And everybody knew that, and important things were happening. Craven's Last Hunt went through three different titles. Yeah. Um, With the but exception of giving, the spider armor is the only thing I can think ever happened in web. Uh, I don't know the history well enough, honestly, but I know important things have happened in other titles. We just yeah. proved it. Um, well, well, the thing is, though, it's like I thought that, like, at the end, Sensational and Friendly were both better than Amazing, but Amazing was still selling two and a half times more than the other two. You know, I mean, so even if the stories are better, we're not buying it. We're going, we're we're like sheep buying Amazing Spider-Man. Well, we're not the problem with those is the stories weren't better. I mean, for the most part, mm-hmm. the stories were just superfluous stuff trying to keep up with ASM. You know, you had your unmasking tie-ins and those. You had your back in black tie-ins, but we all knew the unmasking and back in black were going on in Amazing Spider-Man. They need to have their own identity, not just try to follow it like sheep to the main title, or we'll all know. You know where the real stories are being told. That was the problem. It can be done differently. It wasn't being done differently. Um, but also giving Dan Slott sole writer would be a really awful idea. Um, and it, this has nothing to do with you know the way I feel about Dan Slott or anything. It's he has had the worst sense of continuity of any of the writers on this title, which is surprising for what I had heard of How the so? Spider-Man Human Torch miniseries. How so? It starts with, well, it doesn't necessarily start with, but he is the guy who brought, but her explained bringing back Harry by, well, the goblin serum killed me, but I had the goblin serum in my blood, so it healed me. Like, what? Mm. What kind of sense does that make? And then next we have him having no continuity within his own story with the Fantastic Four, where he explained how time was moving on this other dimension completely wrong. So it actually, if you read the issue, it actually doesn't work at all. He had to go back on the internet later and say, okay, I guess the line should have been this, and it still doesn't really work. And then he brings back Mysterio without mentioning that he'd ever been dead. I don't care if you want to say it was an illusion. Tell me it was an illusion or something. But no sense of continuity there. That's the problem. He's also the guy that created Anti-Venom and Dr. Diaper Puss. So (laughs) this is not the guy I want handling the title full time. Oh, wow. Wow. 
And and the other the rumor, which is uh, on that same website, Bleeding Cool, is that Brand New Day is ending. I don't know what that means. No one knows what that means. It's going to be announced at Chicago Comic Con. Does that mean the marriage is coming back, which I'm highly doubtful? I have an opinion no. on that, and it's stemming from my knowledge on DC. Um, no? For the longest time, you know, the title One Year Later um, was on the books, and then they decided to take it off. I think they're just going to stop putting Brand New Day on there. Uh, as for the rest of this about the Dan slot, I'm actually going to say in the positive that I do think it's a good idea. The three three uh, comics a month, while I had fun with it at the beginning, I only had fun when they were good. Mm-hmm. Now it's a task to read, you know. Of course, I guess it's easier for people who get it, you know, uh, staggered. They get it each week. But, you know, when I get them all at the same time, it's just such a task to go through it if they're not good stories. As for Dan Slott writing, um, obviously, you know, we go back and forth. You know, sometimes he, he does good arcs, sometimes he does not. But I think a main problem I have consistently had with Brand New Day is there has been no consistency when you yeah. switch off um, writers. It's just so jarring to go from one writing style to another. So I think if one person is taking it, then it'll be more consistent. And he's not going to stay on forever. So, I mean, they'll switch off and maybe give somebody else a, a, a try at it. So that's my two cents, I guess. Yeah. Bailey, we haven't heard from you. Well, I, I, I would kind of politely argue the point that uh, one year later and Brand New Day are similar in that one year later was more just to differentiate the DC titles from what was going on in 52 at the time because it's like, uh, because 52 was that missing year. And it was just basically a big thing like, hey, we got a new universe. Come and look at us. Whereas Brand New Day was a, was a movement to get Spider-Man away from what he had been before and to, quote-unquote, take him back to what he needed to be. Regardless of that, I'm actually glad it's going down to two titles a month because with comics being as expensive as they are, it's just going to be less of a hit. And having a single creative team on it will also be a lot better because it's just going to focus the books. And you're not going to have the repeats like JR. Now, is Dan Slott the best choice? He's certainly the golden boy, really, and he's kind of maneuvered himself into that position of being the main guy when it comes to Spider-Man. I I am curious to see what a solo Dan Slott year <laughs> of stories is going to turn out to be yeah. and to see if he's really as good as he thinks he is. Cool. Um, anybody think the marriage is coming back? No. No. no, absolutely not. Yeah. No. Oh, I think we're all reading a bit too much into the title of an article. I think Rich Johnston mm-hmm. said Brand New yeah. Day is ending, meaning that the three times a month is ending. Uh, not actually Brand New Day as we think of it. I think he just titled the article badly is all it is. I, I would concur with them. Uh, seems like we're hitting Rich Johnston's uh, articles up a bit uh, this month. Uh, Hastings is a uh, market. I guess it's a chain of... Uh, uh, I guess co- record book, not record CD, music. There, yes. let me get, let me show my age. Uh, it's a it's a music chain. It sells books, etc. Uh, there there's a lot of them in the Midwest. I mean, I've got one within at least five miles of me right now. There's and, one in the next town over over here. See, and basically uh, Hastings. I'm looking at the article now. They're the, they're a media store. They sell books, DVDs, games, music. They take uh, your used stuff. 
they resell it, stuff like that. And they're also, they rent music and movies, or they rent movies. My God, am I rambling. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, they've agreed to uh, put and expand their comic book section. Currently in my store, they have a small comic book section. But they're going to uh, double, triple it possibly. And they have uh, 130 stores nationwide. So this is the first retailer that has said, you know what, we're going to stock comics again. So let's talk to the retailer in the in the room. Mr. Baylor, what do you think of Hastings doing this? I think it's a good idea mainly because you're going to get a lot of cross-promotion with it because Hastings is a place people to go to buy movies. They go to buy their music yeah. if they're still buying CDs, which some people still do. Mm-hmm. And if you're also selling comics, I mean, they had a pretty – they had a pretty decent selection of comics to begin with and graphic novels and really jumped onto that. And not just walls and walls and walls of manga with, you know, like various 13-year-old skinny girls sitting there with ripped jeans with their knees to their chest <laughs> reading in the corner, which I see every time I go into Barnes & Noble uh, in the manga section. But I, I think it's a great idea. I think I don't. it's not going to save anything. But at least it's a step in the right direction of of making like single issues more accessible to people who buy graphic novels, and maybe get them hooked on that. Now there's going to be the people that are that are like, well, I'm just going to wait for the trade. But maybe getting them hooked into the single issues will get them to buy other titles, and then you know maybe they want to buy the trade later, or maybe they just stick to reading it on a monthly basis. You know, I just hope the material is there. Uh, the material that is there is good enough to keep them coming back. Yeah. Um, what's a Hastings? <laughs> <laughs> I think I spent no. five minutes explaining it, but very poorly. <laughs> oh, uh, I couldn't anybody, with all the slurred words. <laughs> did anybody uh, ever have a media play near them? Nope. Okay. No. Basically, there, it, it's the type of store that sells movies, CDs, and books. And, all, and, and video and stuffed, yeah, and, and you stuff and video games all in the same place. Yeah. It's kind of a one-stop geek emporium. Yeah, and we had a we had a place here in Atlanta called Media Play that did that, which uh, which I liked going to, because basically if you have a bunch of friends and you all have separate interests, but you, you you can all find one place to go and just hang out for hours and hours. Haste, you know, they sell T-shirts too. It's just like I'm sure if I I haven't been to Hastings in a while. I'm sure if I walked into the one in Noonan today, there'd be a huge Twilight setup <laughs> with the books and the yeah. T-shirts and the movies and the soundtracks all in one location. Stella, what, I mean, is this a good thing for comics? The distribution. I guess it's a good thing for them. I don't really see how it's any different from walking into a Barnes & Noble, which occasionally does have music and movies, and going into their comic rack, or uh, the same for Books A Million. So I guess it just depends. I mean, I was looking on this or at this article before, and there are only uh, dotted around in 20 states, and I had never heard of this before. So I guess if you're lucky enough to be near one, it's, it's fine. But I, I just don't see any change from anything else. Yeah. And and I think, Jr. what... what I, I can hear you talking in my mind right now about <laughs> they're they're too damned expensive anyway because they're not impulse buys etc. Yeah, well, I, I'm not familiar with Hastings, and I, I just don't see this adding to sales. I just see it cannibalizing sales that may already be existing. Um, you know, but I but I don't know. I I, I really don't know. I don't know uh, how well these 
particular stores are patronized. I don't know their clientele, how they differ from those who go to the uh, the comic shops. Uh, uh, I just really draw a blank as to whether or not this is a good or indifferent thing. So it, it would probably be a bigger headline if Walmart stocked them. Oh, definitely. You definitely. know, I, I, and I, from from my history of uh, Walmart and comics, I think what <laughs> happened was. Uh, some mom got ticked that Emma Frost or somebody was half naked or something on the cover, and they called Walmart corporate and they and they pulled all comics from all the stores. I mean, have you guys heard that that uh, story? Yeah, never underestimate the power of a bored housewife. Exactly. <laughs> Can you imagine what she'd see if lizard rape was on the stand? Yikes! Yeah, Kev, do you have a Hastings? Have you ever heard of a Hastings? Nope. Uh, this story is the first time I've heard of Hastings. Okay. Well, uh, I, I, I guess bottom line, it's a good thing that's going to happen. Although I wish. Well, I mean, it, was... it doesn't suck, but I just don't see how this is. I'm, I'm with still. I don't see how this is such a big impact. Um, I might if I was in one of the 20 states that does have a Hastings, but I'm in one of the majority that doesn't. So it doesn't seem like a very big thing to me. Yeah. Uh, moving on to a different topic. Uh, a kid by the name going. Uh, it's basically a kick-ass in real life. This kid dresses up as Viper. He hits the streets of Columbia. Columbia where? I know it's not Columbia, Missouri. Columbia, Tennessee. Tennessee. Okay, got gotcha. you. And uh, he's a college student, and he fights crime. And he dresses up in a suit, and he's an urban kind of myth kind of thing going on. Uh, Stella, what would happen if uh, you dressed up in a in a suit well, and fought crime, like Kick-Ass or, or Hit Girl? I, I, I really didn't think you said fought crime. I thought you said said F you know what crime <laughs> and I, I didn't understand well, what would that happen up. if that happened too I don't know yeah uh, well <laughs> here's my apparent or my my opinion on this number one I mean this was bound to happen one day yeah. number two all I can think about is um, Nitro blowing up the bus in which you know basically started the Civil War in the Marvel Universe this kid is going to get him himself killed or, you know, at the very least, hurt, and then I think there's just going to be this huge backlash. So, in general, I'm just concerned. I think that we should leave the superheroics for the men and women who defend our country, who defend um, our states and cities and, you know, everything like that. And, you know, the amateurs should uh, play video games and read comic books. Kevin, what happens if this kid goes into hood, in the hood? This kid is a dipshit. <laughs> That is all I have to say on this subject. What a dumbass. I mean, Stella's right. He's going to get himself hurt, or he's going to get other people hurt, Mm. or both. So, uh, yeah, stop being a dumbass, take off the costume, go home and read something. Or volunteer at the Salvation Army, or do something. Yeah, that would be fine, you know, whatever. Do something actually productive. (laughs) Do I sound like J. Jonah Jameson right now? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Viper is a menace. JR, this kid getting his ass kicked, is he a dumbass? What, what's your two cents? <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking. Maybe Mark Millar and John Romita Jr. should buy this kid's story and call it dumbass, you know? I mean, as opposed to kicking ass. But, uh, I, I'm not paying attention to it. I don't care. It's just another thing that I, I when I saw it, I rolled my eyes and said, oh, great. What we, just what we need is another story that convinces the general population that superhero and comics fans are a bunch of maladjusted misfits. You know, all I got to say about it is don't get yourself killed, you moron. Bailey, what happens if these, this guy's walking in your neighborhood? Are you kicking his ass? Oh, I'd probably, like, <laughs> laugh and 
<laughs> laugh some more, and, and then and then then drive off, and then turn around just so I could go laugh at him again. I, you know, I I I understand that the only reason that this kind of thing is getting any kind of tra- traction in the press is because of kick ass, but yeah. I just think. I just think it's stupid. And you know what? If it sparks a bunch of, like, dumb-ass late teens, early 20s, dressing up in costumes and going off to try fight crime, then that's just Darwin at work. <laughs> and I think we should just let it happen. If they're going to be stupid enough to go get themselves killed, then, they, then, then yeah. I mean, yeah, it's awesome to read about Spider-Man or Batman or any other superhero going out and fighting crime. But, you know, you're, you know when you're going into that, that it's sort it's fictitious and that this isn't really going to happen. You know, you can appreciate wow they're trying to make a difference in their society, you know, but yeah, if you're going to make a difference in your society, your community, you know, get into a volunteer program, join the fire department, join the, you know, get into the police academy. Yeah. Do do something productive. Don't put on a mask <laughs> and just and just try to get yourself killed. That's not helping anybody and it makes yeah. And it makes you look stupid. <laughs> and they talk about you on podcasts. Uh, moving on to this month in Spider History with JR. We're going back to July 1976. Spider-Man appeared in one, two, three, four books this month. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 158 is the first one. Uh, it has Spider-Man getting choked by Doc Ock and a ghost of Hammerhead chasing after Aunt May with a spider uh, word balloon that says, Got to break free of Dr. Octopus before the ghost of Hammerhead murders my Aunt May. Written by Len Wein, Ross Andrew on art. Uh, JR, what do you think of this issue? Uh, this was a good example of 70s awfulness. <laughs> uh, you know, and I was thinking about it as I was going through this, you know, about how awful many stories in the 70s were but we still like them in a way because they were awful. Uh, and I almost wonder, I said, you know, if, if someone tried to publish something like this now, would we, would we enjoy it for what it is or would we just, you know, rip it to shreds like we do some of the other stuff? I really don't know. But, you know, this, this is kind of the follow up. Uh, for all good Spider-Man fans know that Doc Ock and Aunt May were going to get married. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even think, laugh, think about it without laughing. Uh, in Amazing 132 and 133, uh, Aunt May had inherited an island with a nuclear reactor on it. <laughs> Just saying it out loud is hilarious. And I don't know how. You know, it's like, (laughs) who has, you know, it's like, you know, did Ben know all these years he'd married somebody who had relatives that owned islands with nuclear reactors? I don't know. (laughs) But anyway, so Doc Ock wanted wanted the uh, the island a nuclear reactor, so he conned Aunt May into marrying him. Uh, And and anyway, so Spider-Man goes to the rescue. And at the very end, the reactor goes nuclear, which I guess they do. <laughs> and and blew everything up. Oh, so you man. know, it looked like Doc Ock and Hammerhead were dead. Well, in, in issue 157, which is where the story started, you know, Doc Ock comes back, and it's it's really kind of creepy because Lynn, the way Lynn Wein was writing it, Doc Ock and Aunt May really do like each other. I mean, in a romantic kind of way. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not you know disgusting like. You know the J. Jonah Jameson Senior Aunt May sex issue or whatever, but it is really kind of creepy because May is obviously so much older than Doc Ock, and it's like, you know, it, 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 
I just it's just creepy. It, it really. I mean, it, they're ha- in fact they even have fun with it in continuity now because they refer to it every now and then, kind of slightly, and uh, so they still have fun with it. But it, it's just really, really dopey. It's really creepy. And at the end, the ghost of Hammerhead comes back. Now Doc Ock survived a nuclear explosion by wrapping himself in his arms. Okay. Yep. All right. <laughs> we can live. With, we can live with that. He was brought back from the dead by mystical ninjas. So you know it's. Uh, but then the ghost of Hammerhead appears. Whoa, Doc Ock, I'm going to kill you, you know. And it's like, what? You know, the guy got blown up in a nuclear explosion and he comes back a ghost. I mean, I can, you know. And then at the very end, Doc Ock creates a device which he thinks is going to, I guess since Hammerhead's ghost is made of ectoplasm, this machine of Doc Ox is gonna is gonna scatter all those atoms and kill Hammerhead forever, really. But all it does is it brings Hammerhead back to life at wow. the end. And it's like, oh my you know, you read this now and you just go, Oh my god, wow. this is it's this been is, years. Oh, I'd forgotten all about horror. that. But it's it's I don't know what it is. It's funny. I mean because the, when you go through the rest of the issue, you know, for example, Betty Brant just got married to Ned Leeds, so Jane Jonah's Joan, Joan trying to break in a new secretary. Well, it's going awful, you know, and, and of course that's his f- funny. I mean, sometimes people who write Jonah forget Jonah can really be funny. Yeah. And this is an example of that. Um, but, you know, it, it just, it just kind of a funny, creepy look back. Uh, it's definitely, if you, if you can get the essentials, uh, I think this is an essentials number seven. You know, six, seven, and eight are the epitome of of seventies awfulness. <laughs> I encourage Spider-Man fans to just go and read those because they're a, they're a hoot. They just really are a hoot. Also, that came out this month was Marvel Team Up number forty-seven called "I Have to Fight the Basilic," written by Bill Mantlo and Ron Wilson on art. This uh, actually tied in to Marvel Marvel Two and One also because this one has uh, Spider-Man and the Thing. Do you remember this one, Jr.? Oh, absolutely! I remember yeah. because I, right. got, I got one of these issues on Good Friday one time because I remember that because I had to go to church and I couldn't <laughs> read and I couldn't read the issue until after I went to church. You know, so you know, since I grown I grew up, I don't have to do that anymore. But uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, Marvel team up had gone through like six months of Spidey time traveling. He had spent, um, you know, he'd been like four months in the 17th century during the Salem witch trials then he went to the future the, then he went to the war of the world's future and, and t- teamed up with Killraven and then he went back a few more years in fact he went to the future year of 1990 Ooh. Ooh. And, you know, and there were clones and, no <laughs> oh, the, and the world and the United States was just in, in disarray and disrepair and you know you had Deathlock this cyborg machine walking yeah. around and you know like I said you know I, I, oh, I got you know 1990 90s not that far away. I just hope that doesn't happen. Oh wait a minute. But anyway, so then he had to team up with Decklock. Then finally, in Marvel team up, in Marvel team up 47, he came back to the present, and that's when he and the Thing teamed up for this two part story against Basilic. And it's fun. It, I mean, it's a nice story. Bill Mantlo was a good writer. Uh, it was it was a, it was an okay story. No problem at all with it. And the issue con- the story continuing in Marvel two and one number 17. Bill Mantlo wrote it. Also, Sal Buscema was on art. How did this one wrap up, Jerry? I don't, I don't remember it. Oh, I don't remember either. I yeah. think they threw, I think Basil, uh, you know, to be honest, I didn't have a chance to look at it. 
but I think uh, I think it ended by Basilic. He, I think he was create, built, creating a volcano in the middle of New York Harbor or Hudson Bay or something, mm-hmm. and uh, they kicked him into it when he had his lights blink. You know, when he when he turned his lights on, his he has yeah. lot funny lights come out of his eyes. <laughs> I think they kicked him into the volcano the same time he was zapping with his eyes, and the volcano and him imploded. So you know, it's yeah. uh, you know. And uh, also this month, Daredevil number 135, uh, Peter Parker makes a cameo appearance in the issue. I didn't get that one either. So good month or cheesy month or fun month? What do you think? Oh, def- definitely cheesy month. Definitely yeah. cheesy. But it, but again, it was the 70s. You know, you take, them for, uh, you take them for what they were. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, recommendations. We'll wrap this one up. Uh, Mr. Bailey, what do you recommend this month, sir? This month, I'm going to recommend nothing. Um, I really didn't have too much to recommend. I haven't been buying all that much in terms of new material. I haven't been watching all that much television. In fact, it's kind of sad. I've just spent a lot of this month, um, wow, editing and recording. So I I don't know what that (laughs) says for for my personal life. But I'll, I'll just reiterate, you know, watching... Go ahead, catch the reruns of NCIS on USA whenever you can. It's such a solid show. And uh, I'll also reiterate recommending back issues in terms of uh, just finding some gems of the past to to read and enjoy. So that'll be my recommendations for the month. Kev, what do you got this month, buddy? Well, I uh, haven't really read many more comics since last month, so... um... I'm going to pretty much stick to TV here. Uh, I recently got the DVDs and caught up on the TV show Friday Night Lights, mm-hmm. which uh, you wouldn't think I would like because I hate sports, and it's you know centered on a high school football team, but it's actually a really good show. Uh, great acting, uh, great dramatic writing. Um, and I was surprised to find out that one of the stars is uh, Taylor Kitsch, who played Gambit in the Wolverine movie. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I knew that. He does a much better job on Friday Night Lights than he did in Wolverine. Oh, come on, Mona Me. I liked him. <laughs> I liked his, his accent, I thought, was all over the place in Wolverine. I mean, it was dropping in and out and changing, and it was like he was from different parts of the country at different times he was talking. It was, I felt like his dialect coach probably dropped the ball. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, he does, won't a, happen he does a solid job. Movie. Yeah, he does a solid job in Friday Night Lights. Everybody does, so I would recommend that show. They're in there. They've got a weird thing going where they got canceled by NBC and then DirecTV picked them up and they started running them on their like on-demand service. And then it did so well with DirecTV that NBC decided they were going to do the episodes on second run, even though they had canceled it. So uh, season four already wrapped up on DirecTV, but it's still running on NBC and the DVDs will be out in August. So it's, it, it's weird, but just follow it. Um, and Rescue Me came back two weeks ago on FX thought the season premiere was pretty good. The second episode was less so, but I'm interested to see where they're going because this is their final season. Um, and White Collar comes back this week, Tuesday, July 13th on USA. That's a really fun show. Uh, I recommend checking that one out. With my girl. Yeah. Amber Thiessen. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Had a crush on her for a decade. Uh, <laughs> Still going. Still going, yes. Uh, is that it, sir? That's good. Yeah, that's all I got. I was trying to think of other things, but uh, I was going to recommend a novel, but then I got to the end of it, and it wasn't recommendation-worthy, and mm. I haven't gotten to read many comics. I can't think of many movies I've seen. Uh, I've, <laughs> I've got very little this month. <laughs> J.R., what do you like this month, sir? 
Uh, well, you know, I'm trying to think. I only saw one movie this 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 last month, and it was Toy Story three. Um, I you know, it, it, and I did like it. Uh, you know, Toy Story kind of is one of those things. I mean, I thought I saw the first story Toy Story movie in '95 with just my wife because my daughter was was just a baby then. Well, when Toy Story two came out, she was old enough to go, and so all three of us went. And now this year with Toy Story three, my son. You know, so all four of us win. So it's kind of been a, nice. you know, it, it's I don't know. I've got I've got kind of an attachment to it. I, I will. I did like the movie. I will recommend it. It is a nice movie. It, uh, but you know, I'm not part of the Pixar cult. The Pixar cult, which like worships everything Pixar does. I mean, when you think about it, all the Toy Story movies have kind of pretty had a similar theme, and this is very similar to the second one as far as you know who the villain is and what what made him the way he is, and and a certain amount of sappy sentimentality that exists in all the Toy Story movies. But the thing is, the voice acting is so good, you care about these characters. I mean, everybody wants to rave about Pixar and their script writing and stuff, but really it's this the way they've excellently matched voices and characters. Buzz Lightyear and Woody would be thoroughly obnoxious, could be thoroughly obnoxious, unlikable characters if not for Tim Allen and Tom Hanks. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, again, Don Rickles as Mr. Potato Head is hysterical. <laughs> I mean, it's just, how do you, you know, that's perfect ca casting made in heaven. You know, how do you do that? So I do recommend it. But, you know, don't get caught up in thinking you're going to see anything particularly original or life-altering. If you go in there thinking this will be fun, I'll enjoy it. You certainly will. Uh, a couple of comic books I'm actually starting to enjoy. I picked up Spider-Man Fantastic Four number one, actually, you know, because I for one, once I had a little extra change in my pocket, so I said, oh, what, you know, for shits and grins, because I kind of like the FF and Spidey, and it was actually pretty good. Uh, you know, most miniseries, I, you know, I did not care for the Spider-Man X-Men one type well, I, thing. I like that quite a bit. Yeah, I didn't care. I mean, but I never liked the X Men. I just, I just mm -hmm. never liked it because I thought the whole premise behind the X Men is so phony. You know, you know, everybody hates mutants, but we think the Fantastic Four, the, the Avengers, Spider Man, the, they are okay, but we don't like mutants. Makes no sense to me. But anyway, mm -hmm. uh, but I actually like this one because again, it focused on Spidey and the Torch, and they come up and and the the solution they come up to with the problem is hysterical. Is absolutely hysterical. So. Uh, you know, read it, enjoy it, and I'm also enjoying American Sun so far. So, yeah. you know, if you have a chance, uh, I don't usually recommend those mini series, but uh, those are a couple that I'm enjoying so far. Okay, Stella. Uh, yeah. Well, for anyone that's 18 years or older, I'm going to recommend for my literature recommendation uh, the Electric Acid, whoa, the Electric Kool Aid Acid Test by Tom Wolfe. And uh, basically, uh, it, it follows around uh, Ken Kesey, who is the, uh, I could be pronouncing his name incorrectly, who is the author of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and his merry band of pranksters, and they travel over the country, and then um, it's sort of really getting into the, um, the introduction, I guess, of acid and LSD, and then, you know, you even get into uh, how acid rock came around, and in the end, they started having these these tests, and one of them did happen with Kool-Aid. Um, so if you were a fan of On the Road by Jack Kerouac, I think you would like this, because it's sort of, it's basically On the Road, but with hippies. So it was true, true story. Um, Tom Wolfe, um, he was around for a lot of it, and 
had interviews with a lot of the people who are around. So it's pretty interesting, but a lot of the way that it's written, it's it's really in this viewpoint of the people who are talking, and since they're sort of doped out the majority of the time, you feel like you're doped out the majority of the time because things are all over the place. But overall, it was really interesting to sort of get an idea of what was going on uh, in that sort of, I guess, subculture at that time. Um, what was I... Uh... Oh, for comics, sorry about that. Uh, for comics, definitely recommend Birds of Prey. Number one was awesome. I have number two, but I haven't read it yet. Um, Batgirl is great as always. Uh, to be, I guess, an egotist, um, I'll recommend my uh, podcast, uh, Batgirl to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. Um, I'm going to have my first creator on this month. Oh, really? So I'm really stoked about that. Yeah, Mr. Brian Q. Miller, the writer, uh, the current writer of Batgirl is is coming on. Uh, he has graciously agreed to answer questions. Smallville's off the table, but I knew, you know, there's not going to be any likelihood of talking to him about that. So I'm pretty excited about that. So I hope people can, you know, write in and ask questions or just listen. Um, to reiterate the reiteration of Michael Bailey, I would like to say that the back issues of Birds of Prey are wonderful. I've I think I'm on maybe 41 or so. Um, they're they're just really strong. It's nice to see the beginning of that team. And finally, another reiteration of Michael Bailey because I'm just such a fan of his um, <laughs> is uh, How to Train Your Dragon. He recommended this several months ago, and I saw it when it was still in theaters. And then I went to visit my um, brother, sister-in-law, and nephew. And we went to see it again, and it's just one of the better, I think, animated movies that have been out in a while, and certainly one of the better movies I've seen this entire year, so I definitely recommend that. Okay, Kevin, you forgot something? Uh, I forgot to recommend uh, Zach Joyner's Crawl Space Avengers. Uh, he put out a new issue this month. Crawl Space Avengers number seven is. Okay, you and Stella have to talk board. about this cover. <laughs> say, it's you're gotta... bending Stella over like uh, that sounds bad. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're doing Gone with the Wind. Yeah, it's Gone with the Wind. I'm Tour and uh, B Dog, which is awesome. Uh, cast me as a what I like to call a hairy chested love god. Uh, <laughs> you're the only one that's ever said that. No one else. <laughs> Uh, so it's it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> oh. I love the cover. It's it's awesome. It's my new avatar. But uh, the issue is pretty good too. He's uh, building a story, a very kind of noir story, full of intrigue with scrolls. Um, this this sh- it looks like shaping up. Like it's pretty good. So I would recommend giving that a look and and definitely look at that cover. You've uh, got red eyes. You've been drinking. What's what's going on with that? Hey, vampire man! You're, oh, you're oh, you're a vampire. Okay. And Stella, what do you think of your uh, artist rendition? Um, no, I I like it. Um, you know, it's always nice. I think um, to be able to to have this sort of fictional you, and you know that things will happen to her. Obviously, that won't happen in real life. But you know, that's a pretty romantic uh, cover. And of course, you know, Gerard knows that um, I'm a big fan of Gone with the Wind. I believe and. A lot of people say that the Tatas are, are pretty large, but I, I thought they were like a good average size, but who knows? I mean, it's no Dolly Parton, but no, I really, I really appreciate that. And, um, I, I think, you know, I think the, um, the, uh, what would you say? The, not the digital me, but the, um, fictional? Uh, yeah. yeah, the fictional me looks more attractive than the, uh, the, the, the actual me, but we'll go with that, you know, no. can just. Bullshit. Like, <laughs> 
<laughs> can live through vicariously through my uh, my character. So yeah, it's all good. And you'll have to explain because th- this image is on the front page of the crawlspace. If everybody's wondering, is that a Cylon by your head? What is what is on the bottom right? Oh hell, let me look at that real quick. Um, I is think... Zach pointing a gun? Is that Zach as a scroll pointing There's a gun at your boob? What's going gun. on? Um, I'm I'm not sure I know who the the robot is. Perhaps it's Ultron. I don't know. Okay. Um, might have to actually read the issue again. I don't know. Uh, okay, here's the here's the cover. Who's what? Who's running by Stella's butt? <laughs> <laughs> um, the okay. I admit I don't know what that is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody go read the issue to find out. Read the issue, but man, it's there seems beautiful. to be a large pool of though. blood. Man. And B Dog on Colors, right? Yeah, yeah, and he did a fantastic job. I mean, I like how, uh, you know, not only is it red eyes, but I look pretty damn pale, too. So he's got the vampire thing down. <laughs> All right, my recommendations for the month. JR stole one of mine. I saw Toy Story 3, loved it. Um, just a great. I, I am in the Pixar cult. I don't think they can make a bad movie. I liked Up recently, etc. Yesterday I saw Predators in the theater with some guy friends and some testosterone, and it was great. Uh, If you're a fan of the um, Arnold Schwarzenegger 1987 classic, you'll love the hell out of this one. There, A lot of people had problems with AVP, but uh, this one knocks it out of the park. Go see Predators. And I was hesitant when I heard this title was announced, and then I saw a review on the front page by our... One and only Stella, New Avengers, number one. I thought it was better than regular Avengers, which is by my favorite artist, John Romita Jr. Stella, this was a great book, wasn't it? It was. I was pleasantly surprised. I think the entire time I was just like, oh, gosh, this is just going to be like Avengers. But I thought it was... I thought it was great, yeah. I thought it was the best Avengers book so far. Well, Cosmic, not Cosmic Avengers, uh, Secret Avengers is great, too. But New Avengers, I just like the idea of Luke Cage getting the Avengers mansion and, and saying, Cap saying, you know what? Go for it, buddy. Spider friends, go for it. Anyway, <laughs> and uh, Astonishing Spider-Man Wolverine miniseries. Outstanding, beautiful-looking artwork by Adam Kubert and written by one of my favorites, Jason Aaron, who I interviewed uh, earlier this year. Fun, fun miniseries if you want to check it out. We've actually had a string of good miniseries, haven't we, JR? I mean, you, you like, you're like an American Son. You're like an Spidey FF. I like Astonishing. Yeah, I, I got the first issue of Astonishing and didn't think it was too bad, but it also kind of plays to one of my sci-fi weaknesses, which is, you know, time travel and stuff of that nature. But so I'm kind of, I'm kind of waiting to see on that. But, you know, we, you're right. They, they haven't been too bad lately. I mean, yeah. uh, there, there's been a definite uptake of quality. Um, but again, you know, that's, uh, I wouldn't count on that continuing. You know? <laughs> I, I would agree. There's got to be some stinkers somewhere, but I just dig Spider-Man stuck in time in, in the savage land and he's, up in a cave in his shredded spider suit. I just think that's cool. He's been there for X amount of time. So I just, I just dig the idea. And that wraps up our show for July. We have one more coming out this month. Before we go, I want to thank our sponsor, MailOrderComics.com. We have another Spider Spotlight book that MailOrder is selling. It's the Marvel Adventures Spider-Man Digest. And the Digest is called Amazing. The 
Post. Description reads, quote, To the public, he's a mystery. To the media, he's a menace. And to the Torino crime family, he's a possible million-dollar payday. To Gwen Stacy, he's the subject of her latest school paper and a way to become a reporter for the Daily Bugle. He's Peter Parker, the amazing Spider-Man. This uh, digest has Shang-Chi, Wolverine, and also has Bullseye in it. It collects the latest uh, volume of uh, Marvel Adventures Spider-Man, and it collects issues number one through four. It's got 96 pages. The cover price, $9.99. Mail order has it for a big discount, 50% off the cover, and they're selling it for just $4.99. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. As always, gangs, thank you so much for listening. For the SpiderManCrawlspace.com, I'm your host, Brent Douglas.